Hi, this is Dee, and you're listening to my podcast, Let Me Clear My Throat. On my last two episodes I did, I touched base on OCD and bipolar. Um, I talked quite extensively in some of my podcasts on different things that I've been going through and kind of trying to um, self-identify myself and come to terms with different things that I have going on with myself. And um, I have um, been through a lot of trauma, obviously, in my life. And some of it I have have, uh, talked about in my other podcasts. Some I've been very candid with. Um, But I have been trying to deal with uh, my own mental state of mind and things that I have been going through. And I thought that I would share some things with others in hopes that maybe uh, somebody is going through something similar as myself that um, maybe it would help you as well. So this podcast in particular, I'm going to be talking about something else that I am going through, uh, PTSD, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, I know that there are quite a few people that I'm sure suffer from this. Um, but obviously it uh, affects people differently and I have pulled off and printed off um, some information off of Mayo Clinic um, which is my reference that I used on my other two podcasts for my bipolar and my OCD. Um, Mayo Clinic has a lot of information on there. I used to use them as reference when I was in medical school. So if you haven't been able to go to the website and check it out, please uh, do so. They have a lot of great information on there. I also um, looked up some um, from other websites as well. So some things I'm going to read, obviously I printed them out. So I'm going to read it as you're listening to it. So we're going to go through this together. Um, Excuse me. Um, Some things might be uh, repetitive and repeat itself. But I'm just going to read it um, the way it was written so I don't miss anything. So we're going to start off first with um, PTSD. Um, PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. It is a mental health condition that's triggered by a terrifying event, Um, either experiencing it or witnessing it. Symptoms may include flashbacks, nightmares, and severe anxiety as well as uncontrollable thoughts about the event. Most people who go through traumatic events may have temporary difficulty adjusting and coping, but with time and self-good care, I'm sorry, with good self-care, I guess both ways, um, they usually get better. If the symptoms get worse, last for months or even years, and interfere with your day-to-day functioning, you may have PTSD. Getting effective treatment after PTSD symptoms develop can be critical to reduce symptoms and improve improve function. Unfortunately, I suffer PTSD um, in a lot of different areas. So you might have like multiple um, things that trigger you, Um, just like different incidences that maybe have affected you at different times. Um, So it might not just be geared to one exact trauma per se. Um, it goes on to say symptoms. Post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms may start within one month of a traumatic event, but sometimes symptoms may not appear until years after the event. 
These symptoms cause significant problems in social and work situations and in relationships. They can also interfere with your ability to go um, about your normal daily task. PTSD symptoms are generally grouped into four types. Intrusive memories, avoidance, negative changes in thinking and mood, and changes in physical and emotion reactions. So I know like with me, um, some things obviously have, um, I've had really bad triggers on. Um, and they almost were kind of immediate actually. Um, and some things were just over in time. And I know like um, some things I've been through in my life, uh, like this one instance in particular, um, I was kind of having like, um, I guess you can say a meltdown. And this person that I was with um, was trying to comfort me. And um, the way they went about doing it, there was nothing wrong with the way they went about doing it, but it triggered a big, huge flashback with me on um, a point in time in my life that I had been severely abused. And I just went in immediate um, flight mode, if you will, and just was kind of shutting down and was freaking out. And... Um, Obviously, this person didn't know exactly what I had been through, so um, it really kind of freaked um, freaked them out, I'm sure. And um, obviously, I apologized to them um, because I <clears throat> I didn't realize um, how much of a trigger that set me off, and it wasn't anything that, like I said, they did that was bad. It was just the way that I um, intercepted it, I guess you could say. It triggered a lot of things for me from my past experiences. But that was just one example of it. But I obviously, I have several um, from some very different points and traumatic points in my life. I know, like, sometimes uh, when I used to, um, I used to have nightmares and stuff real bad. And I used to have dreams about... Um, certain places that I used to live and it would always go back to um, those particular places that I lived and those particular relationships and um, I never really understood why and I'm like why would I go and dream about you know that particular house or you know whatever but it was a lot where a lot of my trauma happened and so even in my dreams it would take me back to where I had a lot of trauma in my life. <clears throat> and um, so when it goes on to say, symptoms can occur over uh, time and vary from person to person. Intrusive memories um, uh, may include reoccurrent, unwanted, distressing memories of the traumatic event. So obviously, reliving the event over and over again. Um, I have done that, um, unfortunately, with the death of my, my dad, um, I had huge uh, PTSD from that, um, got big flashbacks on it, because um, obviously I had to give him CPR, it was very traumatic um, and stuff, and with taking care of my mom, um, there's just a lot there. <clears throat> um, reliving the traumatic event as if it were happening again, flashbacks, <clears throat> upsetting dreams or nightmares about the traumatic event. Um, again, I spoke, you know, I just talked about how sometimes I have dreams about certain things in certain places. 
um, severe emotional distress or physical reactions to something that reminds you of a traumatic event. Kind of like with the incident I just spoke about with them trying to comfort me and I just kind of went into protective mode of myself and was kind of, you know, I went and in, ran into the bathroom was just kind of, you know, hovering in the corner a little bit and just kind of went protective mode. And like I said, they hadn't done anything wrong. I was just having flashbacks from prior relationships. Um, so it says um, <clears throat> avoidance. Symptoms of avoidance may include trying to avoid thinking or talking about the traumatic event. Avoiding places, activities, or people that remind you of the traumatic event. Um, I know this is a very big thing, obviously, with my grandson passing. Um, it's not really talked about much, um, hardly at all, in the family. Um, there are not really... Uh, it's a very, very difficult, touchy uh, conversation. A lot um, of emotional and... Um, a, a lot of trauma there. I don't even really like talking about it still. Um, I have been trying to um, heal from it the best that I can. It was a big reason of my huge spiral of uh, major depression and me losing my home and uh, being homeless for a couple of years and um, pretty much lost everything in my life um, from the time I, you know, my whole entire life. I lost all my belongings, my kids' belongings. Um, this kind of everything and um, it has really made a huge impact on my life um, in very very many 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 ways that are very difficult to talk about um, so that's just kind of one of them um, incidences like that um, it goes on to say negative changes in thinking and mood symptoms of negative changes in thinking and mood may include negative thoughts about yourself uh, other people or the world definitely big on that with me I've been trying to work on that which I've talked about I've been trying to take all the years of negative uh, negativeness that I've had to endure throughout my life and trying to counteract it with positive um, and different people in the world that have obviously uh, mentally verbally physically um, abused me in different ways been trying to counteract that and turn it into um, a more, I guess, um, pos not positive way of trying to counteract it, but trying to also um, sort it out in a way that um, it comes to where um, it doesn't overshadow me if you will like it has before in the past and I'm not and I'm not saying that I'm doing great with it all the time because I have my moments but I know here lately I've been really really trying to catch myself um, you know like if I try to say something negative on myself you know like why did you do that you know that's so stupid and I'll try to counteract that with you know and stop myself from doing that um, it says hopelessness about the future I've been very big on that. Again, I'm trying to work on that. Um, I know, like, with death and stuff, it um, leaves a very big um, impression on a person, especially when it's so fresh and so traumatic. But, um, you know, I had this um, thing I, I spoke about for my other podcast where, you know, I would have conversation with my mom, um, you know, and I'd be kind of having, like, a meltdown, I guess, and everything is just coming at me and 
and I would just say, you know, like, I had my whole life mapped out, you know, I had a good career, and was making decent money, I had my home, and, you know, had my eyes dotted, my T's crossed, and, you know, had my future, and, um, you know, life looked at me and said, no, we got other plans, and so then I went to losing pretty much my whole life and my myself, and I wear scars on the outside and the inside very, very deep, and um, I was just looking and saying, you know, what's the point? You know, you can you can do all this stuff, and you can try to be all this and all the positive stuff, and try to be a good person and be there for people and try to have your life mapped out. But what's the point? In the end, what was the point of it all? Because I did all that, <clears throat> and then now here I am, and I feel more alone in my life than I ever have, <clears throat> and I have been through things in my life that I never dreamt I would ever ever endure or ever ever be a part of and um, so I just got to the point you know it's just really I felt hopeless I felt uh, vulnerable to myself and to the world and I was like I said before I, I was I've been suicidal um, so I've been trying to work on that um, very very big um, it says memory problems including not remembering important aspects of the traumatic event <clears throat> this is very true to me too I've spoke about this um, a lot of times my youngest daughter will ask me stories about her growing up and stuff and she's like you know you always see me have stories on the other two which there's a 10 year difference between her and my oldest daughter and a 12 year difference between her and my my son and um, <clears throat> it's not that and I, I spoke about this in one of my other podcasts and I actually broke down crying in it because it makes me feel really bad um, it's not that I don't want to remember her childhood, but I was going through a lot of trauma and abuse during her childhood that unfortunately a lot of it I have blocked out that time period, so I don't really remember a lot, and I felt bad because I don't have a lot of stories to give her. And the ones that I do have are repetitive, like, you know, and just simple, just simple memories are very difficult for me to grasp and share with her. And I feel very, very, um, bad is not even the word. <laughs> um, I don't even know how to describe it, but, um, this is a very big deal for me. Um, and it's obviously not fair to her, but it's not something that I have intentionally have done. Um, obviously I, I have not done that on purpose. I would love to remember, um, things that I try to set and, and, um, rack my brain sometimes and try to go over different things and different scenarios and different time frames. And sometimes there's just a roadblock and, um, I, I stress really hard to try to remember, and a lot of things I I honestly just don't. Um, it goes on to say, um, difficulty maintaining close relationships, um, feeling detached from family and friends, and that's me, <laughs> um, very big. Lack of interest in activities you once enjoyed. Again, that's me. Um, some things I used to enjoy doing a lot. Um, I'm just kind of like, eh. 
you know. And I, like I said before, I'm I'm a social bug, but yet I get anxiety um, really bad when there's huge crowds. Um, and sometimes it's very overwhelming. And I could be in a place that I'm very familiar with and know pretty much everybody in there. And depending on if I'm having an episode, if you will, um, on whether or not I can handle the crowd. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I'll like... Not necessarily hyperventilate, but I'll go into a panic attack or an anxiety attack, and I'll contemplate, oh, you know, I need to go, I need to stay, I need to go, you know, and um, I've had that happen to me um, several times, <laughs> actually. Um, difficulty experiencing positive emotions. I'm working on that very, very, very hard. I've had so much trauma and pain in my life that... Um, it's it's been a long time since something um, a happy event, if you will, has has happened in our family. Um, I know when my youngest daughter graduated, um, I I cried like a baby. That was um, something that um, something good that had happened. It hadn't happened in a long time uh, with everything going on in our in our family and our life and things going on with the death of my grandson and things, and um, she graduated, and it was just so overwhelming for me. I was so proud of her with everything that she had went through and taking care of me, and um, she graduated early, and um, I was just, I'm just overly proud of her, and I had a lot of emotions um, with it, and um, I think that was um, pretty much I mean, obviously, the birth of my grandson um, was a great, um, very, very great event. My youngest grandson, because um, I have seven grandkids. Um, one obviously passed away. Um, so my youngest grandson, I always say, is my double blessing because he was obviously born after my grandson had passed away. And, um, <clears throat> so anyway, um, and it goes on to say feeling emotionally numb. I have been there. I'm still there occasionally. I'm working through that. Um, sometimes I really don't know how I'm feeling. I don't know how I'm reacting, and I'm just kind of there. And I've said before, you know, sometimes I can feel like I'm, I could be in a room full of people and just feel like I'm alone. And other times I'm in an empty room and feel like I have so many people in there and I've got a room full of chairs you know, that are, you know, people that are dressed up like chairs because there's nobody in there. <laughs> but um, I talk to myself a lot, um, and I've said that before, you know, sometimes, you know, I talk out loud and people think I'm weird. And I talk inside my head, and it's very deafening, and I feel like I'm going to implode, and I drive myself crazy. <laughs> um, now it goes on to say, changes in physical emotional reactions. Symptoms of changes in physical emotional reactions um, also called arousal symptoms, may include being easily startled or frightened, always be on guard for danger, self-destructive behavior such as drinking too much or driving too fast, trouble sleeping, trouble concentrating, irritability, angry outburst or aggressive behavior, overwhelming guilt or shame. I've had some of these, not all of them. Um, my last, the overwhelming guilt and shame, I 
I have experienced that a great deal, um, especially where um, my dad was concerned. I blame myself uh, for not being able to save him, giving him CPR, and I blame myself uh, a lot. I even got to the point where um, I told my mom once I was sorry that you know I lived and he didn't, and um, which obviously my mom didn't say any of that. It was just something we were going through and losing him, and with my grandson passing away. Um, I did take, try to take some blame on that myself because, you know, I should have been there. I should have, you know, just different things. And, um, that's a whole different subject, but, um, it's just trying to understand and wrap my head around things, you know, and blaming myself for a lot, blaming myself, um, for obviously the trauma and stuff that my youngest daughter had to go through, um, trying to take care of me. Um, obviously it wasn't her son, but she had to take care of me and, um, she was very young. She was like 13 uh, at the time, I think. And, um, she had to keep me alive and she would always be, mommy, get up. Mommy, haven't ate. Uh, Hey mom, I'm going to uh, apply for you a part-time job so you can get out of the house. Which position would you prefer? And, you know, she was filling out my job application. <laughs> and um, she was in the bathroom with the door locked, so I couldn't stop her. <laughs> um, but um, she, um, you know, and obviously I, I blame myself a lot for not being pulled together, you know, because I'd always been the person that had to be the strong one and held my family together and, uh, you know, I was a single mom raising my kids by myself and, you know, a great deal of their life. And, you know, I, I had my stuff together and I just, I completely fell apart. And um, I have a big, huge, um, a very big, huge hole in myself for that. Um, even though I know that nobody handles trauma um, with a playbook, I guess you can say. There's no right way to deal with things um, but it doesn't mean that it takes your guilt and your heartache away and wish that you could do things differently but my mindset is differently now than what it was then and um, I have watched myself change from having my life together to somebody I didn't even know to now trying to rebuild myself and to learn myself all over again, but also realizing and self-identifying that I am not either one of those people, be, you know, again, that I'm not either one of those, um, I'm not, I'm not those people anymore. And, but yet there's still parts of me from those areas of those particular people that I was into this version of me. Um, and I always say, you know, this comeback of mine is personal and um, very personal and I'm trying very hard um, to grab it by the balls I mean to be point blank um, and just <laughs> write it like like write it like the bitch it is you know and just trying to um, I try to say doing it the right way, but trying to do it in a healthier way and trying to be knowledgeable, uh, if you will, on reminding myself of the difference, but also reminding myself to not go backwards, but also to not damn myself 
if I stumble, if that makes sense. And uh, so anyway, it goes on. It says, for children six years and, and old and younger, signs and symptoms may also include reacting to traumatic, traumatic event or aspects of the tra traumatic event through play. Um, so they might do like a reenactment or something. Um, they might have frightening dreams that may or may not include aspects of the traumatic event. And I say adults can have this too because I know sometimes uh, when I get triggered, um, I guess some people can say I act like a kid sometimes, but I, I think like, um, when I get triggered sometimes in my childhood, um, it takes me back and, um, I don't really, really say I do like, um, necessarily re reenactment, but, um, it takes me back to a, another mental level of mine, I guess of my younger years and I, I don't know, I'm still trying to work through that. Um, intensity of symptoms. PTSD symptoms can vary in intensity over time. You may have more PTSD symptoms when you are stressed uh, in general or when you come across reminders of what you went through. So different triggers. Um, for example, you may hear a car backfire and relive a combat experience. And so, such so like the military, um, I don't, I would, I don't want to speculate, but I'm going to say it's pretty safe to say that there's probably not a military person in the world that does not have PTSD flashbacks. Um, or they may um, see a report on the news about a sexual assault and feel overcome by memories of their own assault. So, like somebody who has been raped or beaten or abused or uh, whatever the case may be or even a movie I know like sometimes certain movies um, get me um, you know and sometimes I'll just like I'll walk out of the room or something I don't want to see a certain part or something and um, so some movies actually are triggers for me um, depending on what kind they are and different parts they are um, when to see a doctor so if you have disturbing thoughts and feelings about a traumatic event for more than a month, if they're severe, or if you feel they're um, making it difficult for you um, and getting your life back into control, you might want to talk to a doctor or a mental health professional. Getting treatment as soon as possible can help prevent PTSD symptoms from getting worse. Um, I spoke before that I am now seeing a doctor I'm starting uh, my psychiatry appointments as well um, and physical therapy because um, I do have some things um, health-wise that I'm working on. But your mental state of mind is just as important as your physical um, state of mind, um, if not more so. Um, so it is very important to try to keep your mind in check um, as much as possible. And there's no shame in it. There is no shame in it at all. And saying that I need to go talk to a psychiatrist, I have no problem saying it. Um, sometimes, though, I feel like therapy isn't for everybody. And I, when I went to see my doctor, we were talking about my therapy appointment coming up. And I said, the only thing is that I'm afraid that it's going to trigger me 
and this time of year is really difficult because we do celebrate the anniversary of two years my dad has been gone but next Tuesday is not only my birthday but is the anniversary of my grandson's death and so this time of year on top of the holidays is very difficult for me and going through therapy I was afraid it was going to trigger me so obviously she um, pres prescribed me some medication um, to try to get in my system excuse me and um, I'm, I'm, I had an appointment scheduled for this past Friday, but I postponed it. Obviously, weather was a big factor, too, um, getting out and stuff. But I wasn't in the mind frame to be able to handle um, a therapy that day. So I rescheduled it uh, for, um, let's say, another week and a half or something. Um, it says, if you have suicidal thoughts, if you or someone you know has suicidal thoughts, get help right away through one or more of these resources. Um, reach out to a close friend or a loved one. Contact a minister, a spiritual leader, or someone in your faith community. Contact the suicide hotline. In the U.S., it is 988. They're open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They also have a live chat service. It's free and very confidential. Uh, make an appointment with your doctor or your mental health professional. Now, I spoke about this in my other podcast. When you're, and I'm going to speak for myself. When I'm going through something, when I was um, very, very big on my suicidal thoughts, it's easier said than done to reach out to somebody. Because, for one, it's not something that you really admit to yourself. And sometimes it's in the depth of the moment of your your mental state of mind, and it's um, it's a feeling that's very hard to describe. But when you are in that state of mind, you're not thinking clear enough to think clear enough. And thinking about calling somebody to walk you through it or talk you down is not necessarily at your mental state that you're in. So a lot of times it's it was difficult for me um, to think, oh, hey, I need to call somebody and say, hey, you know, I'm feeling suicidal. And also, you know, that, was, that wasn't something that crossed my mind. Um, or a couple of times I would text somebody and I would say, I'm having a really bad night. I'm in my feelings. Um, and either they didn't respond because it might be late at night or they were like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And that was pretty much the conversation. Um, or finding somebody that you can trust enough with that level of uh, your mental vulnerability. Uh, because I know like some people like to uh, throw it in people's face, use it against them, misrepresent it, misunderstand it, try to turn it around, um, you know, and gossip about it. Um, and I have had that in my life several times um, that now I just kind of try to deal with it myself. Um, but obviously it was getting to the point where um, that wasn't a good idea for me. <laughs> and um, I am very thankful at this moment in time that I have um, been able to get help. And I've been able to talk about it, but also to be able to accept 
um, where I've been with myself and to also um, be at the mental point in my life right now where I do try to talk myself through it. Um, I laughed at my, my doctor and I said, I'm trying to be a responsible suicidal survival survivor. And I said, I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm, I'm trying to be a responsible survival of suicidal thoughts. And um, it's, it's a journey. It really is. And, um, you know, people will say, you know, oh, I try to get a hold of you. I try to call you. I've reached out to you. Um, you know, you don't respond, you don't answer, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. And, and it gets to the point where you think to yourself, um, this isn't about you. This isn't about me not trying to respond to you. This isn't about me ignoring your phone call. This isn't about me, um, not answering a text message or talking to you. This is me in a mental state of mind that, um, is kind of overwhelming and indescribable and you're not in the in the mind frame to comprehend uh, anything less than what you're going through at the moment and so it's very difficult to reach out to somebody and um, and make that step in, in that direction so a lot of times people um, unfortunately they don't want to die. They just want the pain to stop. It's just overwhelming. And, and a lot of suicides um, are accidental, you know. And I know when I used to clean crime scenes for a living, we did a lot of suicides. A lot of suicides. Um, and it would just break my heart, um, you know. And we had this one gentleman um, who had moved from another state literally in another state, um, and got himself an apartment, and, um, he hadn't been here maybe not even a month, and, um, he had packed all of his stuff up in boxes, had labeled them, had his, um, medical papers out, his insurance papers out, all his important papers laid out, um, he had everything organized, Everything, um, I, I, and I looked at my, my co-worker and I said, you know, this is the most considerate uh, suicide ever I've ever known. And, and I say that with respect to the gentleman that felt no other option. Because he moved out of state so his mother wouldn't find him. Um. From, she wouldn't walk in to find him um, from this state. She, he was trying to protect her from walking in and finding him dead. So he moved across state lines, and he left the door unlocked, called 911, told them that the door was unlocked, and told them that he uh, would be there. And so that way um, he wouldn't be lingered and he would be found. And... Obviously, when they got there, he was gone. Um, and this was very, very heartbreaking. Now, that obviously is a whole different level. But he was also, uh, we had found like um, little electronic, electroid stimulating things 
um, for his brain and stuff. So obviously he was going through a lot of mental anguish and stuff um, that he felt no other alternative. And um, it breaks my heart that somebody had to feel that level of whatever he was going through. Um, obviously, it's, it's something that I hope I never get to that um, state of mind. And I fight very diligently um, for myself, um, all my well-being and my mental health. And I have been trying to take the right necessary steps and precautions, if you will, to try to protect myself from myself. Um, it says, when to get emergency help. If you think you may hurt yourself or attempt suicide, call 911 or your local emergency number immediately. Again, 988. They're very trained professionals, um, and they can redirect you or talk you through something. Um, if you know someone who's in danger or attempting suicide or has made a suicide attempt, make sure someone stays with that person to keep him or her, her safe. Call 911 or your local emergency numbers immediately. Or if you can do so safely, take the person's nearest hospital room. I had a very close friend of mine uh, was going through a divorce, and um, he was a very, very good friend of mine. And his wife was uh, one of my very close friends as well. And um, actually, I introduced them together. <laughs> um, but anyway, they were getting divorced. She was divorcing him, and he didn't know how to take it. And um, he was supposed to be helping me to pick out a vehicle. And I couldn't get a hold of him. And I would call him, and he sounded very, very strange. He was slurring his words. I couldn't understand him. kept getting disconnected. Um, it was very out of character for him. And I called uh, his mother. And I was like, you know, I'm very concerned. I don't know what to think. I can't get to him uh, you because know, I don't have a vehicle. And he lived a good, like, hour or so away from me. And um, so anyway, his brother went over there. And um, what had happened was he was drinking, but he was also sitting in his vehicle in the garage with the motor running. And he had his suit hanging on a nail that he uh, won. He had the front door uh, bolted shut with a 2 by 4 and he had a rope hanging over the rafter for a noose. Um, and his brother found him passed out. Uh, and was luckily able to get him to the hospital in time uh, to save his life. And um, that was very, very heartbreaking. Because uh, obviously I went to go visit him at the hospital and stuff. And I needed to take him to go get his truck. And he was like, you might not want to come in right now. And um, I said, no, I'm, I'm okay. And he's like, well, I don't really want you to see, you know, I don't, you know, want you to hurt you to see what you're going to walk into. And there was no describing um, the impact of what I saw and um, the realization of that level. And I just... And very grateful that I was able to get a hold of his mother and his mother was able to send his brother over there and get to him in time. Because um, obviously that could have went um, in a totally different direction. 
and now he's um, happy in a new relationship and has one on with his life and um, she's since has remarried and has grandchildren and stuff so um, anyway it goes on to say causes you can develop post-traumatic stress disorder when you go through see or learn about an event involving actual or threatened death serious injury or sexual violation Doctor, doctors are not sure why some people get PTSD. As with some most mental health problems, PTSD is probably caused by a complex mix of the following. Stressful experiences, including the amount of severity of your trauma you've gone through in your life. Um, inherited mental health risk, such as family history of anxiety and depression. Inherited features of your personality often called your temperament. The way your brain regulates the chemicals and hormones your body releases in response to stress. So sometimes um, it could also be related to uh, your, your, the way your brain functions and your body and your genetics and your upbringing and obviously different environments you've been in. Um, can obviously all pay, play excuse me, a factor in this as well. Uh, risk factors, people of all ages can have post-traumatic stress disorder. However, some factors may make you more likely to have PTSD after a traumatic event, um, such as experiencing ten, ex, I'm sorry, ex, excuse me, intense or long-lasting trauma, having experienced other trauma earlier in life, such as your childhood abuse, Having a job that increases your risk of being exposed to traumatic events such as military personnel, first responders. Um, I used to always say that when I, were, when I used to clean crime scenes for a living, uh, I used to say it was very therapeutic for me. And people would look at me like I was crazy. And I would say, let me explain. Because at the time this was going on was when my grandson's death um, had occurred. And... Um, I felt very helpless in my situation, um, dealing with such a traumatic event in my life and what was going on and trying to cope with it and handle it. And I was very, very helpless in that area. But when I was called to a scene and I, um, obviously I was supervisor, so I had to work with the family had to get to know them and their story um, and um, obviously go through the scene and the, the events and stuff and it was heartbreaking obviously for many many reasons but it was therapeutic for me in a sense that I was able to take this traumatic event that this family was going through that felt so helpless themselves and I was able to uh, intervene that for them and take the big um, the big part of the incident uh, if you will and relieve them of that part and you know many times the family would be like I don't know what to do. I never knew that places like you existed. Um, you know, I never had to go through this before. 
I, there's no way I can go back in there. I don't know how to handle this. Um, many, many times I would leave um, when we finish the scene and clean up, and um, I would get a hug. And um, thank you so much. I don't know what I would have done without you guys. I don't know how I would have handled this. Um, and that was very rewarding in the sense of that particular moment we were able to let that family handle their grief and whatever arrangements and things they needed to deal with and lessen the other part for them. And um, that in itself was um, very heartwarming and very sad at the same time. And um, <clears throat> that was a very big uh, point in my life that uh, I loved my job. I did. Um, but um, obviously I was needed at home more. Um, so then it goes on to say, having other mental health problems such as anxiety and depression, having problems with substance misuse such as excessive drinking or drug use, which I've talked about before. Um, yes, this is a factor. But also self-medicating comes in many forms. It's just not drug use and drinking. Um, some people are kleptomaniacs. Some people um, have an eating disorder. Some people are compulsive shoppers. Some people um, have over um, overactive sexual encounters, if you will, um, just trying to, to have that sense of um, whatever it is that they're missing out on and they need. So self-medicating comes in many, many forms. Um, it also says lacking good support system from your family and friends. I've talked about that before on my other podcast um, on my situation in my life. Um, that is a very big um, heartache of mine. Um, and it also goes to say having blood relatives with mental health problems, including anxiety and depression. Uh, the most common events leading to the development of PTSD include combat exposure. I won't even begin to even say I understand that emotion or that um, type of trauma um, or even that type of anything. Uh, my heart goes out to all military um, personnel and first responders. Um, that have had to go through certain uh, things in your life um, that um, the rest of us in this world will never be able to wrap our, our heads around. And my heart totally goes out to each and every one of you. And I pray that um, you're able to quiet the battle in your head as much as possible in a healthy way. Um, I know in one... Um, scene that we cleaned up and um, when I cleaned crime scenes was a military young man and uh, he hadn't been home from deployment very long and um, he had went out on the balcony and shot himself and it had actually overspilled into the um, the family downstairs on their balcony um, and it was very very heartbreaking his military gear was sitting right there still and um, is very, very heartbreaking uh, to see. But unfortunately, um, this is a whole different level that I think that a lot of people don't 
begin to even have a glimpse of the understanding of. And I am very, very huge uh, on the military. And um, I've talked about that extensively in my other podcast. You get me going on it. Um, There are several, several military people that um, suffer from a lot of things that we will not understand. Many are left homeless. Many are in jail. Uh, Many of them have fallen to self-medication. Many of them have committed suicide. Many of them are fighting battles in their mind um, that have left them in combat in their own life in ways that we will never understand as civilians. And um, I think there needs to be a better system uh, for them. I believe there needs to be a whole different level of respect for them. But also, too, I believe there needs to be a realization that it's not something that we need to just say, oh, they have PTSD, and just leave it as initials of uh, dismissal. Um, because those initials, while they're only four, four letters, um, have the biggest, huge amount of um, force field. I guess, I don't even know the right word to say. Bigger than what? Those four letters are bigger than any alphabet could ever define. And um, just saying that they have, oh, you have PTSD. Yeah, that sounds so simple. But if you can hear inside somebody's PTSD, um, it probably would kill you, you know, and I applaud everyone that is still trying to survive, um, whatever it is that you're going through at that level, and I'm not even going to begin to try to act like I understand, um, your level of emotion, and if you are military, if you've been in combat, if you have been, Um, a first responder that has been involved in any type of anything. Um, I pray for you, and my heart is totally in your direction. Um, It also goes into, say, childhood physical abuse, sexual violence, uh, physical assault, being threatened with a weapon, and an accident. I know I was in a really bad car accident when I was pregnant with my son. And I was pregnant with him, and I was probably eight months pregnant. And we had taken out, like, four foot of the railroad track bank on two wheels on our pickup truck. And uh, the radio knob actually sliced my head open, and I had to stitches. Um, But for a long time, I couldn't even sit up in the front seat and handle driving down the road. And my brake on the passenger side wasn't working. (laughs) And um, there were some points I would have to lay back in my seat and we had a sunroof, and I would just look up at the sky, and I'm like, okay, can't do this either. <laughs> and uh, it was very difficult for me. Um, so, um, obviously, um, ac- accidents are a very big, huge thing. And I know, like, um, the really serious car accident we had out from my house in November, I talked about um, where a lady had passed away. Her and her son was ejected from their vehicle 
I'm not for sure if the 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 guy was or not, but um, she died instantly, and uh, I was the first one there. And um, yeah, it's it's um, you know, obviously I wasn't in the car accident, but walking up to that, and I mean, it I didn't I was calm through it all. I was trying to get the little boy. I had the little boy laughing, so they could put the back brace and stuff on him. Um, you know, and I was I was in calm mode, but now when a car goes by fast, um, it uh, amplifies sometimes. And I, I, I said that, you know, like when that accident happened, you know, it was very, very, uh, it was very, very bad. Um, he was well going over 100 some, some odd miles going down this road and had hit the guardrail snapped the utility pole in half, yanked the, all the wires out of our house, just pulled them right out, our electrical and our cable, ripped them right out, took out the fence, went up into the field across the street, um, took out all the fence and landed up against another pole, and um, basically a whole block. And um, it ejected her in the sun, and, um, it was, it was, um, very loud, shook the house, obviously, and, um, it took a while to get everything hooked back up, because it was a lot of damage, they had to put a new pole in and stuff, and just last week, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was in bed, um, it was late, it was dark in the house, um, obviously, and, um, all of a sudden, this vehicle comes zooming around the curve again, and a big loud noise, and the house shook again. The power went out again. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you really kidding me right now? Again? And so I go outside, and I see this big, you know, box truck going down the road. I can just see their taillights, and I'm looking around to see if there's any car wreck. And what had happened was this vehicle had went through and was too tall, and had hit our power line and ripped our power line back out of our house again. So I had to um, get a hold of the light company and obviously, you know, call because the line was laying in the middle of the road. So I called the police and they were guarding the line because it was a live wire. Light company come out and said, you know, you have to call electrician again. Uh, he's like, you know, <laughs> he said, I got the call. I thought, I wonder if I know where this is at. He said, and I mapped it. He's like, you guys have been through a lot. <laughs> he knew exactly where he was coming. <laughs> and the light company guy and I were on a first-name basis. <laughs> and um, he's like, you have to get a hold of your electrician um, because obviously this needs to be fixed. It broke this and it ripped your neutral and all this. And so uh, I got a hold of the electrician. Um, and I can honestly say, <laughs> this man is amazing. Um, he is the most honest electrician person, I guess, I've ever met. And um, he had fixed it. We've, this has happened three times now. He had fixed it the first time. He couldn't make it out to the second time. And this was, um, we had a different electrician the second time. And then he come back out this third time. And he didn't hesitate to come out. And he fixed it all. Um, he didn't charge my mother at all. He's like, you guys have been through enough. And, um, he left and he called me, um, 
later to check to see um, if we got our power on. And I said, well, yeah, the light company came out and hooked us up, but I'm having a problem um, with our lights because they're not one to stay on. Like something is trip, tripping them or something. The, the breaker's not tripping, but the lights keep going on and off. And um, it was concerning. And I said, I don't know what to do. And he's like, um, give me 45 minutes and I'll, I'll come out there and I'll look at it for you. And he's like, you know, we're going to get a really bad cold come through in the weather. And I don't want you guys being without electricity and heat. So he drove 45 minutes. And it was at nighttime at this time. No, it's still daylight out, but it was in the evening. And um, he opened up the electrical box and he was like, um, let me go to my truck. And he said, I think your main breaker is bad. And so he went out to his truck and he got the, a, a main breaker and he brought it in and he switched it out and hooked some, you know, the stuff or whatever up. And that was what it was. And I said, well, obviously we need to have some things redone and stuff with the electrical, you know, and, but we need to do a little bit at a time because it is old electric. I mean, this is an old house. And my mother lived here when she was, you know, younger. My grandparents owned this house. So, it's, I mean, this is my this has been in my life, my whole life. And I will be 51 next week. So, uh, obviously, my grandparents lived here way before I was born. So, it's been a very, very um, um, old electrical system, if you will. Um, so, anyway, excuse me. He said um, that he would be able to do a little bit at a time, uh, obviously, when we work it out. But for right now, let's just get it through this way. And then um, later, later that night, uh, around bedtime, he texts me and and wanted to check on us again. And I was like, yeah, I thanked him again for what he done and and everything. But to have that level of, um, he didn't need to do that. You know, and he didn't charge my mom anything. And... Um, it, that it just goes to show that there are some really amazing people left in this world, and um, he is he just my. I mean, I can't say enough great things about him. So if anybody needs a um, a good electrical man that's honest, uh, Copeland Electric here in Indiana, Greenfield, um, Carrie Copeland, awesome man. <laughs> um, so anyway, it goes on to say. Um, many other traumatic events also can lead to PTSD, such as fire, natural disaster, mugging, robbery, a plane crash, torture, kidnapping, life-threatening medical diagnosis, terrorist attack, and other extreme or life-threatening events. Um, this is a big variety of things. Obviously, some things... Um, I have not been through and I'm not even going to begin to even know what that level is. Um, but um, I do respect uh, the emotion of the level of uh, darkness that it can take you. Um, and I'm not even going to begin to uh, act like I know what other people are going through on that. Um, but um, again... My heart goes out to everybody that is suffering uh, through any type of trauma or anything in your life. 
um, it breaks my heart to know that um, you know people are going through things like this. Um, this is complications. Post-traumatic stress disorder can disrupt your whole life, your job, your health, your relationship, any enjoyment of everyday activities, um, depression, anxiety, drug use, alcohol, eating disorders, suicidal thoughts, um, all big factors. Um, even after surviving a traumatic event, um, PTSD like symptoms at first, um, you may be able to stop thinking about what happened, fear, anxiety, anger, depression, guilt, all are common reactions to your trauma. Um, some have life uh, long, long term uh, um, traumatic um, events on you. I mean, um, I mean, is that any way I want to say it? A very long term effect on you. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> Um, obviously getting timely help and support um, is very vital may mean returning uh, to family and friends who will listen and comfort you seeking out mental uh, health um, therapy um, obviously God you know your faith um, but like I said before sometimes it really depends on your mental state of mind on whether you're even at that level to be able to handle um, going to somebody and asking for help. Um, I copied that is from the mayoclinic.com and I have another one that is probably a little bit repetitive, but it does also have some different strategies on how to cope. I would like to go over. Um, it says PTSD, um, a stress disorder, mental health condition that can develop from experiencing or witnessing a traumatic event. Um, it can have a lasting impact on the brain and can lead to improper processing and storage of traumatic memories. People with PTSD may experience symptoms such as recurrent memories regarding the event, traumatic nightmares, disso dissociative flashbacks, um, hypervigilance, engaging in risk-taking behavior, and um, have an exaggerated startle response. I know like some people... Um, Obviously, people that are in prison, uh, you know, when they get out of prison, they have to adjust um, being back into society and even being able to adjust of uh, being able to make decisions or not having to ask to go, you know, can I cross or can I come out of my room or my cell or uh, can I go to the bathroom? Can I take a shower? Whatever it is they're doing. I mean, I'm not going to begin to know what it's like to be in there. Um, but also constantly having to watch their back, you know, not getting shanked or getting beaten or getting jumped or, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so they get very startled, uh, you know, or obviously on the fence. Um, research also shows that PTSD can impact several areas of the brain. Um, so obviously... Parts of your brain um, play an important role in several functions, including accessing what is in the environment, um, what is considered a danger, fear conditioning, a memory cons uh, consolidation. Um, so you might like assess the environment that you're in and try to troubleshoot, um, knowing your surroundings or obviously um, some things might have you on alert of different post-trauma or if like you're say somewhere and a couple gets into a really bad argument and 
um, you might get um, triggered on something that you have been through that might make you go to a different place in your mental state uh, just from the arguments, um, loudness and severity that it represents to you, not necessarily exactly what they're arguing about, if that makes sense. Um, so says um, some people may have an imbalance in certain uh, neural transmitters such as uh, their serotonin and um, um, I lost my place on this paper, I'm sorry. Uh, nor I'm gonna pronounce this wrong. Nor ep you know what? Another part of your hormone. Okay. <laughs> I used to be able to pronounce his words so well that I just I don't know. Norepinephrine, something like that. Anyway, which contributes to symptoms such as depression and anxiety. Overall, PTSD can have a profound impact on the brain, affecting various areas that are critical for emotional regulation, memory, and decision making. So sometimes you might be in something and you're just not thinking clearly and you make um, very bad decisions, um, different coping mechanisms. So there are several healthy coping strategies that can help alleviate symptoms of PTSD. Some of them are the following. Deep breathing. Deep breathing exercises can help reduce stress and anxiety by slowing down your heart rate and relaxing your muscles. Progressive muscle relaxation. This technique involves tensing and relaxing different muscle groups throughout the body to help reduce muscle tension and anxiety. So you might just like t tighten different parts of your body and release it and tighten and release it. Mindfulness. Mindfulness techniques can help you become more aware of the present moment and reduce anxiety and depression. Exercise. Regular exercise can help reduce symptoms of PTSD by improving your mood, reducing anxiety, and promoting better sleep. I know when I was going through a big, huge depression, when I went through my first divorce, um, I worked out a lot. And exercising is very good for depression. Uh, it really is. Um, at least it was for me. Social support. Talking to friends and family members can help reduce feelings of isolation and loneliness, which can contribute to depression and anxiety. This, um, I'm on the fence with this one because uh, it really depends <laughs> because I have tried before to go to um, different members, members of my family and friends and actually it made me feel worse and um, it really triggered a lot of things with me. So it really depends on what kind of support you have and the people in your your family and your friends and stuff. Now I will say I do have some friends, um, one in particular that has taken me for everything that I am of, of my good and my bad days and she loves me regardless and um, she's a wonderful person um, and obviously my youngest daughter um, has been there for me um, and had to basically keep me alive, <laughs> um, sadly. Self-care. Engaging in activities that you enjoy, such as reading, listening to music, or taking a warm bath, can help reduce stress and promote relaxation. Um, depends on what mood I'm in on whether I can listen to music. And sometimes I would take a bath so long, 
um, I would fall asleep. And my kids just have to knock on the door to make sure I was awake. Um, and reading, it really depends on where my mind is at. Even like trying to color with my gel pens. It really depends on if you can focus. Um, so at least it does with me. Counseling. Seeking professional help from a therapist or counselor can help you learn coping skills and strategies to ma manage your symptoms of PTSD. Now, I did outpatient counseling for a month um, at this place um, to try to deal with my feelings. And I really wanted, it was a group counseling, I really didn't care much for it because I hated repeating myself over and over again um, to a room full of strangers. And you only got like five minutes to talk at the most anyway. So you really couldn't elaborate and get the help that you needed. Um, and I really wanted more one-on-one. -on -one. But they did help me with some coping mechanisms. I did the 54321 a lot, which I talk about that. Um, if you're not familiar with it, look it up. Um, there's another one I can't remember. Um, somebody that I know. Uh, it was something about um, eight seconds or something. Like hold your breath for eight seconds or Something of that nature. I don't remember exactly the, the depth of it, but it worked for them. Um, and that was actually a child um, <laughs> that uh, was doing that method. Um, but um, And then obstacle uh, medication. In some cases, medication may be prescribed to help manage symptoms of PTSD, such as depression and anxiety. Um, and I have talked about how my doctor has put me on medication. Um, she has put me on, um, Lamictal, um, and also, uh, Prozac. I'm on Prozac. I was trying to remember what it was the other day. Um, she has put me on that as well. Um, and I, like I said, I am starting my counseling up in about a week, week and a half, I think. On the 25th, I think it is, um, to do my individual counseling. So I'm hoping that with doing that, it doesn't spiral me into triggers after trigger but if it does um obviously i will work through that the best i can but um if it doesn't work for me then um i mean obviously i'm going to give it some time you know work through it but um i just know it's just going to be very difficult for me but at the same time not doing it has been difficult for me and I might get to a point where I might not be able to intervene myself. And I'm not saying that that's the case, but I'm being realistic because it can happen to anybody. In, 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 in Anybody could have their whole life put together and be like, oh, I never would have thought they'd come and they had everything and, you know, this, son and the other, and they just had a kid and they got a great job. And this, but you don't know where their mental state is at. And, um, don't think that it holds a zip code or it holds a time or it holds a, a, a different, you know, classification of money or, or whatever. You, you just don't know. So everybody is vulnerable to their mind if given the right um, overwhelming circumstance. It's just, you just are. You're, nobody's immune to it. Um, it's important to remember that everyone's experience is unique. And what works for one person may not work for another person. It's important to find coping strategies that best work for you and to seek help if you need it. 
um, I've said too that sometimes my anxiety would be so overwhelming, so bad. Uh, even driving down the road, I felt like I was like gonna, I couldn't even, I had to roll the window down to breathe. I mean, it was just so overwhelming. I was hysterical. I was crying. I was trying to get my breath. I couldn't concentrate on seeing and driving and, um, sometimes at home it would just be overwhelming. I'd be crying and just, you know, breathing real hard. I used to hit myself. I used to uh, self-mutilate. Um, I used to punch myself in the head. I used to smack myself. I used to, it was very, very bad, very abusive to myself, uh, trying to cope. Um, one time I think I hit myself so hard that it broke my tooth and lodged it in my nasal cavity. And when I had my teeth pulled, um, they found a, um, a slither or whatever, part of my tooth in my nasal cavity. Um, and I actually felt it break off and, you know, so it's a thing. It's really a thing. And, um, I'm trying to remind myself when I get to that state to, to intervene it. So lately I've been trying to uh, redirect myself, if you will. Um, I'll start doing the alphabet. I'll start counting. I'll start um, naming um, a name or a state or something with each letter. Like, you know, uh, I'll do like a name or it's like A is for you know, Andrew, or B is for, uh, I don't know, Barbara, or, you know, or whatever, and try to go the alphabet, and try to calm myself down, or um, I'll start counting, or I'll do, like, math in my head, you know, 1 plus 1 is 2, 2 plus 2 is 4, 4 plus 4 is 8, and I'll, and I'll do that, or however I do it, and try to calm myself down, and redirect my head, and sometimes um, I'll end up crying myself to sleep and just dealing with the pain. Um, and also, too, I pray. I, I pray very hard uh, for God to calm my head down and to um, ease my heart and uh, just hold me. You know, just hold me and be what I need even when I don't realize I need what I need and just be there. Um, and obviously thank him for my blessings and everything that he continues to help me work through and the strength that I've got that I'm trying to learn and thank him for reminding me to be the person that I am and um, thanking him for my blessings and um, that's a very big huge thing for me I mean I've always had you know my faith always says one thing I didn't let go of but I can also say that even though it's not something I've let go of, it's not something that um, I needed it more in my life. I needed to embrace it more. I needed to focus on it more. And I needed to um, stop taking my gift of life for granted. And it wasn't my life to give away and take. Um, it wasn't my soul to sever, um, if that makes any sense. And um, I've prayed to him 
very, very deeply and wholeheartedly um, out loud and in my head. I've cried to him. Um, I've, I've very much have opened up to him, um, been honest with him, and trying to hope that he understands where I'm at and being patient with me um, and helping me to learn how to grow as a woman, as a mother, as a grandmother, as a child, uh, as a human being, um, but also as a child of his. And um, trying to keep my faith intact and knowing that I'm worth fighting for. And praying that he understands um, my level of mentality and however he does it, I thank him for all the blessings and um, people that he has sent, uh, blessed me with in my life that have helped me to get at the level state of mind that I'm at now. And um, they, um, the angels, if you will, that whisper in my ear to reassure me that um, you know keep keep going keep fighting um, keep your head up you know and you know not in so many words obviously but just a positive reinforcement behind it and uh, reminding myself to um, listen and to take positive stuff out of it you know I always say life is a blessing box you take what you need and leave what you don't and um, because what you don't need somebody else might and don't get greedy you know and think think be thankful for your blessings but also remind yourself that you are a blessing as well um, so Anyway, um, obviously PTSD, you know, it takes a lot of time and patience. And unfortunately, to some people, it can just sound like a bunch of letters shortened down on a word. And um, I can read this and I can go over things Tom blue in the face. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to uh, help you in the sense of alleviating whatever you're going through however I do hope that these are some tools that you can take from here and maybe be able to relate to some things that I have said um, but again I know everybody's situation is different and I'm not even going to begin to play that I know what you're going through I, I don't everybody handles everything differently but I will say this do not let anybody tell you that you just need to get over it. Do not let anybody tell you that you are wrong to feel the way you feel. Do not let anybody tell you that you are any less of a decent person, a good person, and worth fighting for. than what you are because you are you are worth fighting for you are a good decent person 
You've just been through some stuff. Don't let anybody belittle that. Especially if they don't understand where you are. Sometimes people need to be educated. But there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. But when you are going through something in a traumatic event, the last thing you think about being is an educator. Because you're too busy being the student of your trauma. And you're studying for an exam that you don't even know what the questions are. And you don't even know necessarily where the resources are to help you be able to pass your own mental state of mind, if you will, if that makes any sense. And maybe that's a little confusing to some, but I hope that that makes sense. Because in my mind it makes sense, but that doesn't mean it makes sense to everybody else. But it boils down to this, in my opinion. Don't give up. Please don't give up. Fight for yourself. Fight for those you love. Even if you don't feel like they love you, fight for those you love. Find something that has been a weakness and make it your strength. Find a way to counteract the pain and the negativity with something positive. And what works for you might not work for everybody else and vice versa. But there is no shame at all to cry, to be upset, to hurt, to need help. And to not be able to deal with anything at the moment. Because sometimes you need to just step back and learn how to take a breath. Because the breath that you're taking is suffocating you. Because you can't breathe. And it's really hard to breathe through your anxiety when you're gasping for air from all the trauma and the anxiety and the panic attack and whatever it is you're going through. And if it's somehow, some way, you can find enough strength in you to reach out in some way, even if you're, even if you just call the 988 hotline, um, find a place to put your feelings, somewhere positive. Find somewhere positive to put your feelings. I've said it before, you know, I, when I go through something, um, you know, I do the try to try, you know, you try to do something, even if you don't achieve it the first time, keep trying, even if you just have to try to try to try, just opening your eyes for the day is a huge accomplishment, and if you do that, I applaud you, and that is something to be proud of, because there are many people that don't even get that far. Second is to breathe. Normal breath is very good. <laughs> but breathe through your anxiety. Find different coping mechanisms to breathe through your anxiety to calm yourself down. 
so it doesn't go into a full-fledged panic attack and consume your your well-being and third and most important I learned and I wish I knew in the beginning is to find somewhere positive to put your feelings and I have found I, I write poetry I do crafting I do a lot for the homeless I help people a lot but I have found that helping people and being there for, for them helps me because it's a very nice feeling to be uh, able to take the pain and heartache off of a person, if even for a moment. And I always say, you know, if I can make somebody laugh or uh, ease somebody's pain for just a moment, then I know at that moment they were not hurting and suffering. And maybe that moment they can actually get a breath and try to take their next breath and eventually try to find a way to keep breathing where they don't want to give up and not have any more breath to give. So mentoring or um, even my podcasting has helped me a lot. Um, I've been very open, very candid, very forthcoming with myself. I'm not sugarcoating anything about me. This is who I am. I've been self-identifying myself. I've been owning my my life and owning me. And I'm trying to give back to me what I have taken from me and what other people have taken from me. Am I succeeding? Yes and no. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's not something that's going to happen a few podcasts. I have uh, almost 51 years of my life to overcome. So... Um, it's a lot of hard work, and it's going to be uh, probably a lifelong event. But as long as I'm moving forward and I'm still taking a breath and I'm still opening my eyes in the morning, then I'm going forward. And sometimes in life, the first step is always the hardest. And um, I have learned that in my life. And if anybody is going through anything like that, like I said, my heart goes out to you, and I pray deeply for you. And um, I hope that you find uh, what works for you. I really do. And uh, if you need to reach out and get help, please do so. Please don't ignore yourself. Um, write positive notes around the house if you need to. Um, find positive focal points. Try different coping mechanisms. Um, if Even if you just need to... Um, you know, something simple. And then, you know, work on something simple and then work your way gradually. Don't overwhelm yourself because that in itself can be a um, traumatic event as well. So I hope this has been a lot of information that's been helpful for you. If you haven't checked out my other podcast, please do so. Um, I hope I haven't bored everybody, but this this is real life. This is me, um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people in this world um, that are going through far deeper things than what I am, but I do hope that this sheds a little bit of um, positiveness, positiveness, trying to learn how to talk here, in your direction um, as well as my own. And like I said, I can't see who sees these podcasts. Um, all I see is the squiggly lines on my computer. But I do know that even if I just help one person, I've made a difference, If even if it's just myself. And um, 
I am working on trying to make um, a videos um, thing. I mean, I know I've talked about this several times. I'm trying to learn how to do that. I thought about just recording myself, not necessarily a live event, um, just do a pre-recording and maybe trying to get a YouTube channel or something um, and posting it on there. I will obviously let um, you guys know how that's doing and give you that channel uh, when it comes up and arises. So um, until then, I hope everybody has a great night. And as always, if you have dedicated this part of your life to me, I always say that's one thing in your life that is most value and precious and irreplaceable is the time in your life. And if you have given it up to take the time out to listen to me, thank you so much um, because uh, that means a lot to me because I know that's a part of your life you'll never get back and you have dedicated it in my direction and I, I thank you very much for that. So I'm going to end this podcast now. Please check out my other podcasts. If you have any suggestions or any feedback, please feel free. I'm always open to um, respectful criticism, if you will. Um, and obviously, if you have a story or something um, or ideals on something, I'm, I'm all ears to want to hear and listen. Um, and then find something that works for you as well, even if it's making your own podcast. I'm talking about things. It might just be the very thing that you need as well. So on that, again, I hope everybody has a safe and blessed night. Is In my neck of the woods, it's very cold. <laughs> so um, please be safe out there and be safe in your head. And have a blessed evening. Good night.